right, welcome to Prop Talk. Um, I'm your host, as usual, Chris Call, the Education Chair for the Property Masters Guild. Uh, today, we have a full house. Um, we have, of course, Mikey Trudell on the board uh, in the room, in his room. Um, and we are co-hosting today with the Property Master Guild President and IA Property Master Hope Parish. Uh, we are joined by fellow guild member and also IA Property Master Nicole Ruby. Uh, Nicole is one of what I refer to as the next-gen property masters, although her credits show her as a rising star. Oh, stop it. Chris. Yes. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Um, so I'm going to roll through some of your credits, just to embarrass you. Great. Okay, so three seasons of Angie Tribeca. Yes. Yes, and these aren't all your credits, by the way. Um, followed by uh, season one of Euphoria, which was insane. I love that show. I and love that show. You did a fantastic job. Thank we'll you. get into that. Uh, the L Word Generation Q. Better Things. So jealous. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Freaking love that show so much. Um, and the culture of it and everything. Um, 911 Lone Star. Not jealous. I know that show was a nightmare. <laughs> but uh, congratulations for surviving it. Uh, and then A League of Their Own, the, C the TV series. Um, and then most recently, the highly acclaimed Apple TV's The Morning Show, uh, a project she was brought to, brought into by our very special guest and our first production designer on Prop Talk, Mr. Nelson Coates. How Hi, are you? how are you? Very good. Excellent. Page two. Okay. And so, <laughs> no. <laughs> See, I'm really good at this. Um, Nelson has over 50 credits in film and television. Um, I'm sure there's many more that aren't listed. But uh, they include the Emmy nomination for the 1997 Stephen King's The Stand. Congratulations on that. That was a long time ago, but good work. <laughs> He's also been nominated for three Art Director Guild Awards, uh, winning for Crazy Rich Asians. Four. Okay, I got that wrong. Nice. And is the current president of the uh, Art Directors Guild. Second time around, right? Second... Third, jeez, I'm so far behind. I'm gonna have to just call you next time. Um, okay, so I'm gonna, I can't list off 50, credits, <laughs> but here are some of the ones that stood out for me Living Out Loud, Don't Stay, Say a Word, Antoine Fisher, yeah. Runaway Jury, Todd Phillips, School for Scoundrels, very delicious. Uh, the Proposal, Flight with Denzel, two of the three Fifty Shades movies. And uh, most recently, Home Before Dark and The Fantastic in the Heights. Nice work. And, of course, season two and three of The Morning Show. Correct? And Correct. a blank check. Don't, don't forget and blank, blank check. blank check <laughs> that came up. Well, Obviously, I didn't see it. And the one everybody talks about these days is Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. So. I did say that in, in the beginning. But anyway, oh, I'm sorry. But cr and Crazy Rich Asians, <laughs> which you won. The Art Directors Guild Award for yeah. correct exactly. How are you, Nelson? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming out. So um, there's a lot to unpack here today because um, <laughs> you have this fabulous career, and then you also had the uh, uh, opportunity to work with, uh, or you gave the opportunity to um, Nicole on the morning show, which is fantastic. Um, so I wanted to ask you first. I, you were born in Tennessee, is that correct? Correct. 
and you were raised in Tennessee and then went to school in Abilene? Yeah, basically my parents were educators and uh, had uh, a love for the arts. Um, both of them had you know, performed in high school and done uh, various sundry things. Mother played the piano from early on, right. and, and so as a result, all five kids had piano and drama and wow. you name it. Nice. Uh, mainly they wanted to develop poise and uh, great social interaction skills, et cetera. And, you know, just storytelling. Um, so we would do, uh, at summer camps, uh, various things. We would do family skits wow, and, nice. and all of that sort of thing. So they, they instilled the love uh, for all things of the arts. We were at museums. We didn't have money growing up, but they made sure to get us to everything we could possibly go to for free. So museums and uh, national parks and uh, rich in experiences. And my parents were working on their upper-level degrees. So we moved, depending on where uh, their next school right. involvement was. And when Dad finished his Ph.D. Um, at Knoxville, um, then we were in Kentucky for a couple of years. Okay. And then... Um, mom was finishing her master's, and oh. then we ended up um, uh, moving to Abilene, Texas, Abilene. where they uh, served on the faculty of Abilene Christian University, my alma mater. Right, and so you end up and, going uh, to school there. Then. Yeah. Right, well. So they're both, they, they call themselves sweet mates, were uh, both PhDs in the education department and shared the same That's uh, secretary and all that sort of stuff, so, um, so pretty cool. what... Moved you to be to go to school for? Did you go to school for design or what was it? Actually, no. Uh -huh. It was my high school valedictorian, and uh, you can't quite say I'm going into drama, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> not with academic uh, parents. Right? My parents said, you know, four boys, one girl. They wanted four doctors, and um, uh, so I was pre med in college. Okay. And my oldest brother at the time was in medical school, and um, I always figured that I could move out of that uh, if I easier than moving into it. And still, while I was in college, I did 30 uh, collegiate professional uh, shows. Uh, I, I did Shakespeare in the Park with Morgan Freeman. I was doing all oh. sorts of things as an actor. And um, uh, so uh, I think my parents knew something was up. <laughs> so you acted a, in high school and such? Yeah, yeah. I was doing things in college, mm -hmm. even though I was in, in uh, high school. And... Um, so uh, my theater career started, you know, very early on. My first professional role was when I was six. So wow. I'd just been acting Fantastic. and on stage my whole life, uh, singing, dancing, and acting. And so I had a love for storytelling and uh, not so much a love for blood. And uh, <laughs> so after, after visiting my brother in med school and all this, I right. was like, I really don't want that as a career. I'm a storyteller. I really want to perform. And. And did any of your siblings follow you, or did, did they all stay in no, the medical every, industry? No, everyone is ended up doing their own, you know, thing. My sister's a mathematician, and and um, uh, does you know, all sorts of things related to computer science, and and uh, another brother who is a real estate developer, and uh, and then a, my younger brother has his PhD in international water rights, and uh, is also a, a an attorney and heads up the political science department at my alma mater. So everybody did well, but in different fields. And nobody, uh, nobody became a doctor. No, my oldest brother. Did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. He so was, your he parents was, got one doctor. He was a trauma there. surgeon. Yeah. Yes. So, um, and my lead professor was like, I, I don't understand why you're changing out of 
pre-med, which I did, you know, before my senior year, he's like, you have a four point. And I'm like, but I don't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, it's, um, at that point, I didn't know this career existed. And, uh, but I did know that, you know, I loved performing. I loved designing. Uh, so ultimately I had a, um, degree in, uh, in journalism, mass communications with an emphasis in design and a minor in biology. Wow. So that's pretty um, well. I was working in hospitals, working all over the place and you use all of it. Right. So I, I don't regret the time spent, uh, studying other things, you know, maybe, maybe organic chemistry, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) so from there you ended up in Dallas, right? Correct. In in the Dallas Theater Company, is that right? Well, I was working in, in Dallas uh, and also uh, basically I worked for a national arts organization mm. uh, that was workshopping shows in New York mm-hmm. and uh, also working to uh, introduce the arts into business uh, with the National Organization Business Committee for the Arts. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were... We were working with people like Sheldon Harnick and John Houseman and right. uh, you know, Ken Weissman and uh, major, major Broadway folks, and then developing new shows to take uh, to, to Broadway. And this was the and, early uh, 80s? Yes. Right. So uh, I, I ended up uh, then doing shows off Broadway and some national oh. tours as an actor and all this and realized that I really didn't want to be in in management uh, right. of an arts organization as much as I wanted to storytell. Mm-hmm. And so I started my own graphic design company so I could afford to live and then started uh, designing it at, uh, you know, I'd be in shows one theater and have shows that I had designed at other wow. theaters. Um, so uh, and so then, we were actually in Dallas at the same time. Oh, really? Yes. No way. Because I actually started in the film industry in Dallas as well. Awesome. In the early 80s. So, wow. I don't know. We probably know some people. Oh, know. I'm sure we know a lot of <laughs> yeah. same people. You, know, you remember Mariana Austin, yes. casting director? Yeah, yes. She's yes. the one who got me in the business. I was with Industry Dallas back in the day. And, yeah, we uh, uh, started the Texans for Bilateral Nuclear Weapons Freeze. I don't know if you remember that. We did Explode. Did you ever? Did you? Mm, no, yeah, actually, no. It was pretty. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. But that's how that's how I got introduced to Mariana, and then yeah. she got me in um, uh, videotaping her casting sessions. Cool. So yeah, so we probably crossed paths somewhere along the line. Ah, it was, it's kind of crazy. I uh, was designing a show for the Dallas Theater Center, and someone mm-hmm. saw that set. And asked me to design a pilot for a television series. Oh, okay. And I've never done that before. Sure. And they had no money. Right. And this is where, you know, preparation meets opportunity. You have to just kind of go, yes. So um, they were wanting to pitch a show um, to PBS. And I designed the uh, sets for the pilot. And uh, the main character was a, um, a Muppet-like Okay. A character named Gerbert that had been designed uh, by Kermit Love, who designed Big Bird and Snuffleupagus and and all that. So um, that pilot, I wrote music for, directed some music videos. I'm in it and (laughs) did the sets. And you're doing, okay, this is the first time I'm doing anything on camera. And you're doing it all. (laughs) And you're kind of doing all this stuff. And I made like $1,200 for four months of work. And it's like, that's not a livable wage even then. But, um, 
but still, with the exciting, caveat that yeah. if they picked up the show, I could go with sure. the show, and and so it did get picked up, and I ended up designing two seasons of that. And that was all and that, produced in Dallas. The pilot was produced in Dallas, but the funding uh, came from um, sources uh, in New York and stuff. So we we did the uh, series on the East Coast. Okay, and um, oh. and then through that you meet people. The, sure. Uh, David Fryce, who directed most of the episodes, was an Emmy-winning director of Sesame Street, and he had some connections um, that were looking for a designer, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, my first movie of the week, I'm um, you know, the production designer, the location scout, location manager, prop oh. master, uh, stunt nice. coordinator, and greensman. Uh, <laughs> and because back then, when they were doing TV movies, they were, you know, they didn't have any money, per yes. se. And so all of a sudden you're doing a non-union as a hyphenate, multi-hyphenate. Yes. And in my best prop story ever. Okay, great. Hit it. Because (laughs) this is my first movie and I've only been doing theater. You know, we have this scene and here comes the cake and they cut the cake and they said, okay, take two next cake, please. And I went... Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I run back in and I heat up the knife and I'm just because they didn't take out a slice and I'm just making it look like and it's like, you know, you're you learn the hell out of it. You learn very quickly <laughs> never make the same mistake twice, right. you know, and, and it's like, oh, the retractable knife. Oh, oh and then yes. this and then that. And uh those early experiences mm-hmm. then start shaping how you start teaching yourself to fill in your deficits and to, you know, become better at what you do, Um, which ultimately leads leads to where we are today in that I, I know how to do everyone's job. I don't do that job all the time. So I can't be at the top of all those jobs, but I have a, uh, a full understanding of what is required to those jobs. And so it, it, creates a different dynamic and dialogue on a sure. set because you appreciate how much work each each individual is bringing to the table um, and you're able to talk about the nuances and the the right. excitement that you want to bring to each absolutely thing. so at, even at that early stage you mentioned storytelling was that did you have that in your mind when you were doing like your, that first show where you're doing all the different was storytelling part of what was motivating you uh, think, no or? sheer panic was motivating yeah. <laughs> Okay. I, I'm just wondering because it didn't really come to me, you know, right away, you know, that, oh my God, I'm actually part of telling a story here. And that, yeah. and that's like a sea change. Oh, it's a for me. Two, super sea change. Yeah. I mean, I had done, uh, from that first movie of the week, um, uh, with Robbie Benson yes. and Craig Wasson and Jennifer Savage. It was, it was super great. And then I got a couple more than the, uh, of these CBS movies of the week and then realized, Oh, I need to learn more. How do I get right to a place that I can learn more? And so you do anything you can to yes. expand those experiences. And at that point, the Dallas market was starting to quasi heat up, uh, the cleanest studios yeah. they built. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I was doing a lot of commercial work. Yes. Uh, designing. James Gang. Did you yes. work for those I guys? worked for the James Gang, worked for, <laughs> for a lot of folks right. uh, doing, you know, Radio Shack and Grandy's right. commercials and all these things. Well, and, we may have worked together yes. then because I did like 30 commercials there. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And, and you're, like, you're sitting there looking at 20 different spoons to dip right. out the beans. And you're like, yes. <laughs> it's like, really? Are they going to be looking at the spoon? But 
you know, you realize, oh, there are choices that you're making. There are selections yes. that you're making. They're, they're all cumulative. It's like pointillism. Uh, each individual thing coming together that actually can right. create a, a greater sum of all those parts. And uh, so then the opportunity came to jump on, uh, which I don't see on your huge wall of great movie uh, DVD cases, but um, the first of those kid kind of movies, mm. Problem Child, okay. which was my first feature to come on. And I was hired as the assistant art director. It was back when they were doing a lot of big non-union and this uh, was out of projects. New York as well. Well, this was act- actually going to film in Dallas because oh. Dallas was turning into okay. this hotbed yes. at that time. So uh, John Ritter and uh, Amy Osbeck and, and folks. And so um, basically the um, opportunity came to jump on it. And they. Um, it was very interesting because not having done a feature at that point, you didn't know whose job was what. And um, very quickly realized, and of course, this is back when they would do 30 million non-union type things. Um, I was basically designing sets and doing costume, uh, doing concept art for uh, various environments and the productions I was running in and selling my ideas. And, um, <laughs> and then there were several challenges with the wrong parts of locations being dressed and things and, right. and all this. And ultimately the production designer and his nephew, the art director were let go. Oh, amazing. Which was also very disconcerting. I'd never been in that sort of environment sure. before. And I was asked to finish the picture. And so you go, okay. And we, we did it Yes, and they go away. And about six weeks later, they, come back and they're like we're doing 20 new pages of material and you're like not not reshoots it's literally 20 new pages and you're like okay so you're designing all this stuff and then they go away and they came back and did another like 10 15 pages of new material and then they came back the third time and in that third additional photography we did uh, 12 pages of work that included a three-ring circus, a, ba- a midway, and a backstage area. And they were asking me, oh, do you know where we can find circus acts and everything? And, you know, fortunately, several companies winter south of Dallas, and I was aware of this, and I'm bringing the circus acts to it and designing all this stuff. And you're like thinking, oh, my gosh, movies are crazy. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> this is insane, you know, and yet. Wait, up in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> And yet they they were like, well, why aren't you in Hollywood? Why haven't you moved? Right. You know, we 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 need folks like you, and um, you know, and so you know, I made the move, right. um, which was very frightening, but right, uh, very right. exciting at the sure. same time. Had it somehow in the back of my head that if I weren't out here by the time I was thirty, that I'd never make it. And so, <laughs> which did... was so funny because I didn't even know this job existed in college, and you know, now you were How trying to make you, your right? yeah. So was it a project that brought you to LA or did you just pack up the truck? No, it was actually super um, kind of, we finished, we wrapped on the last part of Problem Child and the unit production manager uh, had taken a job as a production executive at Fox right on the heels of that. And she said, okay, let's set you some meetings. Mm, Nice. 
And so I flew out, stayed on my brother's couch and took the meetings and everything was so positive. It was like, well, maybe it is okay to make this jump. But I was afraid that people would talk me out of it. So I went back to Dallas, finished everything that I had on my plate. Um, And then my roommate was getting married. So I meant that I was going to either have to find a new roommate or, or give up the house where I was. And it was like, this is all great timing but I don't want to be talked out of it. So I told no one. Well, and, um, ironically at that same time, there was a big exodus of Texans coming out to Hollywood, you know? Uh, so, um, I came out here and all of a sudden it was like, wait, y'all are here too. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kim Cooper, the executive, uh, at Fox at this point, um, was was really instrumental in just showing me it, this could happen. And Jim Brubaker, who later became uh, uh, head of production at, at Universal, mm-hmm. had been the producer from that. And so we um, uh, made, you know, some great connections. Right. One, I, I sold things and packed things up and dropped them in my parents' garage and cried all the way <laughs> to California <laughs> going, what am I doing? You know. Excellent. But uh, uh, in a story that I know some people have heard, but it's super funny and, and ironic the um, first couple of weeks I was here, I uh, arranged to go to dinner with uh, Kim out in Santa Monica and stopped along the way and got some white roses because she liked white roses and um, uh, the uh, attended at the florist, came up to the counter and uh, was ringing me up and said, um, uh, you know, what are these for? And I said, oh, I, I'm going to dinner with my dear friend and um and uh she had a t-shirt on uh that said i survived the san francisco earthquake and so i said tell me about your t-shirt were you in the earthquake and she goes oh no 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 my dad's a, a director and did this movie for the usa network and and um you know uh, I got the t-shirt from the show. I'm like, Oh wow. And I said, like, well, I'm a new production designer in town and, and maybe I'll get to work with your dad someday. What's his name? She goes, Gary Sherman. And I was like, okay, cool. Go to dinner. Kim, uh, is telling me about her best friend. Who's a producer who's they're looking for someone. And, um, uh, here's the number and she'll tell him I'm going to call blah, blah, blah. So, uh, I make the call three days later, I have a meeting that's in Santa Monica and I'm sitting waiting to go into the meeting. And a guy walks down the hall with a t-shirt on that says, I survived the San Francisco <laughs> no earthquake way. and said, uh, you wouldn't be Gary Sherman, would you? And he goes, well, yes, I am. Wow. And I designed that. And that's when I knew I was supposed to be in Hollywood. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so. Can't deny that. <laughs> can't, can't. It's in all, in all of the whole, you know, the whole city and stuff. And so things just started going from there and it, yeah. um, you know, you sure you had what it took, and so every, they scooped you up. Yeah. Th- and that that's like the the story that I hear all the time, right? Yeah. Because there is that that it factor that you have to have in this industry. Well, it's all about making connections too, and recognizing those connections that they happen. And that's with personnel. Sure. That's with projects. That's with story. That's with the elements that you're using in your story. It's it's like driving a different way to work every day so that you see the other streets. So you see new shops. So you see potential locations. It, it's just right. expanding those connections in whatever they right. are. So, uh, yeah. and that's, that's the joy of it. Absolutely. You know? It's like, Oh my gosh, this person looks like this person or this person would work. It has got to meet this person. Right. And, uh, and that just really oh. makes it great. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I, 
like I said, we could talk about you and your <laughs> career all day. Um, but I want to bring everybody else in the room but into this too. So let's get into the morning show a little bit. So you worked the second season with Hope, is that right? No. Well, actually, Hope and I have yeah, known okay. each other yeah, what for is quite a long time. Okay, yeah. Uh, and have had the wonderful opportunity of doing several features together. Okay. And um, she is a legend, not yes. just in her own mind, but in mine too. Mine too. And uh, <laughs> she is just spectacular. We're just and, the uh, biggest fans of each yes. other. You know? That's beautiful. And uh, has, has exemplified a different level of propping uh, uh, for me. Uh, then I had, you know, experienced and it was like, oh, this is, you know, when you find that crew member in whatever right. position that is head and shoulders, uh, at a different level, you're, oh, that's what special effects is now. Yes. That's, that is the bar for me, you know, like, and, and hope was like that. And, um, what was that show? What was that first show? Do you remember? Oh my gosh. CJ and I were finishing up water for elephants and I got this call multiple times from Alaska to come up and join Nelson. And I had heard Nelson's name, but I had this whole different impression about who Nelson was because Nelson Coates to me was like this older statuesque British man. <laughs> and I'm thinking it's a British the, name, but it is, but I had this vision. And so we started talking on the phone long distance. He's like, I need, I really want you up here. I've wanted you before. You need to come up here. So I sent CJ up there while I went and did some finishing work and in Tennessee on Water for Elephants. And then I flew up the next week, and we were doing this movie with Drew Barrymore and Ken Quapas. Oh, my gosh, one of the best directors in the world. And uh, about these uh, uh, whales that had been trapped under the ice in 1988, a historical oh. piece where which is my passion. I love history. I like documentaries. I like repeating something mm -hmm. that, and finding it, you know, finding the thing that, that makes that film now so accurate that you're, you're happy. And, and this was the first studio movie to film entirely in Alaska wow. ever. ever, ever. Wow. So, you know, it's there was the, the incentives were Wait, actually and, run and the name through of the film was whales. Well, it was called Everybody Loves Whales while we were doing it, okay. and then there was new marketing at Universal and stuff. And at the last minute, they called it Big Miracle, which sounds uh, like a hockey movie or something yeah. religious. <laughs> and, it was, and it, it just like keep the name whales in the movie somewhere so people know it's a whales movie. But um, when people found it, they were like, "Oh, this is it's it's a great dramedy." And, you know, being an ironic real life situation that had a lot of complexity. And I mean, complexity in the story, but complexity like, in the fact that we were shooting Alaska. Alaska in Anchorage. And w when I walked into the art department, Nelson had this wall. And I, lo I love when I see a wall in a production designer's space, art mm -hmm. department space, where you not just see illustrations, you see the. F all the history, all right. the documentation, all the Life magazine imagery, mm -hmm. what the Inupiat people look like, what their skin boats look like, what their tools were. Everything was there. And then he hired this amazing set decorator that I just was so, I fell in love with. You know, so I, I walk into the space that he's created that I, it, it was welcoming. You know, we had very minimal time. Here's a guy, now, when I got there, it was light at like four in the morning and it stayed light until midnight and here's I, I meet this guy and he's not leaving the office until 12 one o'clock at night and he's back there at five in the morning and i thought 
oh my gosh, who is this person? You know, and he's so. I was wondering the same. <laughs> well, and you know what it did for me is I'm passionate, but I found somebody who's even more passionate than me. Right. And that just kept my drive at a high level. I knew, okay, this might have sounded like a nice little movie. It's not. It is going to have every accuracy that you can have. When you take a flat piece of land in Anchorage and you build this complete ice flow and you're trying to create how the Inupiats and the National Guard were trying to cut ice open and how are you going to do this and get Drew Barrymore in a safe environment and all the elements that that show had to bring. Um, For me, it was an amazing experience. And I fell in love with Elson. I was like, okay, you know what? And I fell in love with Hope. And, you know, it's all about creating creative teams. Yes. He gave me an amazing art director, Scott. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Scott Meehan and then uh, Jim Farrell, Farrell. who is no longer with us, unfortunately. And it just to find the elements and and go, you know, this person's really going to great with this person. And that team coalesces in a way that the sum is much greater than the individual parts. Right. Um, And... uh, Hope was superlative in that. Sure. Because like you said before, you can't have your hand in every single department. So you have to feel comfortable with the people that you bring on so you can do the whole picture. Right. 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 The skin boats, his painter, Kay. I mean, he gave me, he gave me an amazing shop, an amazing paint department, collaborators that understood what it took to make it happen because we all had the same vision and it was all about Ken Quapis. Yeah. And Hmm. part of that is when you come together as a team and I'm heading up this team, you want to protect your team. You want to give them the resources and the tools for success. Yes. Because ultimately that's kind of self-serving. You, you treat your people right. They're going to be, they're going to want to come to work. You're going to, you act as the cheerleader. You get them excited. Uh, You do the things that, help lift the experience because you spend more time in the experience than in the product. But that may seem self-serving, which kind of it is, but at the same time, everyone is excited to come to work every day because you, you know, what is, what's going to happen today because it's, we want to be with these people and we want to be in this environment and we want to do the best that we can. And so any good leaders, whether it is as a production designer, as a prop master or whatever, you've got to be, enthusiastically encouraging your teams to excellence. And I kind of require everybody to be at their a game and more times than not, people will then rise to that level of expectation. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm assuming that that's what you saw when you met Nicole Mm. as well. Well, I was, you know, in, in hopes ear immediately going, um, I'm really looking for someone who is the next you. And I know that's impossible to ever say. Um, but, uh, you know, cause I, I'd have hope at any moment if she was ever available. Uh, but, uh, since she's taken on all these other amazing roles and all this, she was, she introduced me. She was, no, you're going to love this, this person. And I'm like, okay, it always worries me when someone says you're going to love it. You know, it's right. like, but Coming out of Hope's mouth, it's like, yeah, yeah. that's for sure what it's going to be. And uh, and so um, Nicole and I uh, you know, met at a little coffee shop to kind of get the whole vibe of each other, and we fell in love. So there. I'm totally in love with him. So. Like, completely. <laughs> big love fest here. It is a big love fest. <laughs> I love it. But he, I mean, for myself, 
I had just finished Lone Star and Ugh. and you know that's like ten months, eighteen hour days. You know, Mikey too, working on those types of shows. Mm. Heavy show. Heavy ten, show. Ten and I loved ups. it. I Sorry. loved it there, Chris. <laughs> I did. But well, she knew I was taking a little bit of a break. And sure. during that time, I had two days off, I think, at that point. And she was like, listen, I know you want to take a break. But I'm telling you, you have to do this. Right. <laughs> and when Hope Parrish says that, you, you're like, yes. Yes. yes so ma'am. when we met, I mean, it, w- it felt, when I met Nelson, it was very natural. Mm-hmm. Um, when we met at the coffee shop and talked, I felt it was very natural and it felt right. And I didn't know if I, I was like, wait, do I, I have the job? And he's like, yep, I'm going to Mimi Leader's house right now. And, and I was like, what just happened? The producing director. Yeah. You know, what just happened? You're my speaking whole, the same language, right? My whole life is going to change from this point on because hope just opened a door for me right. to bring me to the next level that I've been looking for. And I told her years ago when she wasn't sure about doing the fire show. And I said, you need that on your resume as a woman who's, who's going to be escalated into a whole different platform. You would even don't even know what your future is going to be ahead of you. You need a tough, what I used to call and please don't anybody, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I used to call them the boy films or the boy shows, you know, mm. because they're, it's not something that most people would think women wouldn't want to do. When I did Backdraft, I had the best time in the world. So I knew, and I knew a lot of things. about a, To be a prop master, you need to know a little bit about a lot of stuff. That's right. And what I, when she was getting ready to do that, I said, you need to do this. You need a tough show that is on your resume that's going to show you got the guts to do it. And then when this came up, when Nelson's like, Hopi, what do I do? <laughs> Jane's going to Hawaii. <laughs> I'm like, I got a girl for you. I said, this... this I see me in her. Right. She has the enthusiasm. She's dedicated. She does the best show and tells ever. I mean, I was just going to say that I've been through ISS when she is doing a show and tell, and it's a production, it and is. it's very impressive. I love a show and tell. Yes, I can see that. <laughs> I, I love a good show and tell too. You know, there's a lot of young it's women everything. out there that I absolutely adore, and I know that are like Nicole. That, but at the moment that this occurred. I only had one person in my mind. And that's why I want to cultivate other relationships with the younger women coming right. up. But, and men. But also, but the fact that this is a stylized show. Now, this one yes. takes her to a different notch. Right. You know? This one is, this is the one that's going to escalate her into the atmosphere where she's above kind of looking down now. She doesn't have to always be looking up. You know? We, we get a place where, not that we can pick and choose, but just things that are going to be given to us that, that I think fulfill our creative need. And it's interesting when you're putting together teams like this, ultimately you have a deadline, you have a certain volume that you're having to deliver and a director wants the safety net of not having to worry about an entire portion of the movie. And so that's what I bring. And then with my team members uh, and colleagues, I, I am looking for the safety net of somebody that I'm don't have to handhold that can deliver uh, you know, and I can feel confident. I mean, we're in the illusion business. And so even the way you present yourself and the, the way you present uh, your selling of your ideas and yes. uh, props or my sets or uh, you know, various things, how you're presenting those is part of that illusion so that it all comes together to be great storytelling. So, um, you know, 
how you dress, how you yep. how you do a show and tell, how all those play into the oh my gosh, I only have 15 minutes and I've got to disseminate this huge amount of information and get it signed off on and get the yeses. And knowing that you're protecting conversely, you're protecting the director's time sure. and the uh, or the producers and all these folks that they walk in and go, they have it handled. Oh my yes. gosh. And then you can have the joy of getting into the minutia because all everything is so handled. You actually have the time to do the deep dives and that's exciting. You know, it's it having had other situations in my career, you realize the incredible value of someone who's not only doing their job well, but also doing the bigger storytelling right. and, right. and understanding how their function fits with the scheduling and timing and, you know, it, it's, well, it's a well, blessing because to have, we are have kind that. of all cogs in a machine really. And if there's one wheel that's off kilter a little bit, it throws the whole machine off. And, and like you said, when you feel that, uh, safety net that you say yep. of everybody working in the, it gives you that opportunity that freedom to let that creative part of you flow to a level that you can't if yep. you're worried about the prop department not doing their job well so, and, ex, and and the biggest part for me in my career what i was passed down through my dad was basically that we are part of the creative element of characterization of the actors we have just uh, as much to know about these characters. And the more you talk to the designer, the set decorator, the costume designer, oh my gosh, what are we going to do with this? The hairdresser, yes. how are you wearing their hair? What, you know, do I need to have things around that, that, that the person uses in their purse that, you know, it's helping the actor become who they are. And so you're the visual storyteller of the whole big picture. You know, you're the, 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 the color palette, the, the, the texture, the, the defined look that the director's trying to put across to all of us. And then we come in, and the fun part about for me, and I'm sure for Nicole, and you too, Chris, and, and Mikey, is that when we have, if, when they're looking for this pen right. that you can't find anywhere in the world, and somehow you have either, by God, by the grace of God, have found it, or you manufactured one. Right. The look on someone's face when you're actually part of that storytelling thing and you have that one piece, that hinge of the story, it just sure. makes my, I, I, I love it. And one of the things too is we're not, you know, we're not widget makers. Right. You know, we're, this is not the assembly line of mm -mm. we're doing the exact same thing. You get a different designer, you're going to get an entirely different movie. You mm -hmm. get a different right. prop master, you're going to get an entirely different movie. These the level of storytelling that people bring is different. And you know, I'm looking for someone who is like rabid about telling great stories and getting, you know, every level into it. And these amazing prop masters we're getting to talk with today that I've been super fortunate to work with are, are that level. You know, it's just, it, it's not, it's, I can't settle at good if I can strive sure. for great, you know, and, and, and if there's something that we find, you know, Nelson doesn't have to say, okay, let's use that. Or the director doesn't have to say, well, let's use that. But if you have something that you think is going to be part of a great piece to tell the story, bring it up. You yes. don't have to be wait to be asked. Right. That's what a collaboration is all about is that getting your own creative juices out there and coming up with that one piece that somebody says, you know what? Oh my gosh, that we've been trying to figure out how to make this thing work. Exactly. You know? No, and that's a really uh, 
good point to make for again for the younger property masters is uh, and we've talked about it several times in these podcasts it is taking your place at the table uh, as a creator and again you're going to run into property art or directors or uh, producers or actors even who don't care what you have to say and and that's on them but it you should still be able to uh, offer something because nine times out of ten even if they don't use it they appreciate your input that's my experience about it. Um, uh, I could share a story on uh, Winning Time where we're, we're going to, uh, in season two, introduce Larry Bird and his whole family. So we go to Deer Lick, Indiana. And the, fir- the opening scene is, you know, them driving through town in Deer Lick, Indiana. And I had this thought in my head because I'm from the East Coast. And I, th- I thought, well, what time of year is this? I asked the director, what time of year is it? And he said, fall. I said, you know, that's deer season. He's like, yeah. I, I said, you know, it'd be really awesome. Is if when they're driving through town, we put a deer on the roof of the car because that's what they do. And he's like, I love that idea. <laughs> and I like showed him. And again, just like you're saying, Nelson, I came with him with a photograph of deer, a deer tied to the roof of the car. It's like, that he wanted a deer in the back of a truck in Alaska, <laughs> and I found him a deer up in Alaska. Did. did you find a real deer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, deer. You're uh, welcome, honey. I love it. And, you know, and we did it, and we shot it. I don't know if I'll make it in the final cut, but it was something that they, the director loved that idea, you know. And, and again, that's something that, again, we can bring. We're, we're artists. We should be able to bring something to the table, too. So I just want to encourage people to do that. And it's mm-hmm. the research behind everything, like, that people don't know about. Like, right. you were like, I'm from the East Coast. I know this happens. Like, a huge part of our job is research and to work as a team with our designers, with our co- costume designers, our production designers, with every single department we deal with. And I think it's important what Nelson said earlier, that he has done um, every job in our, in our department. And that's important because he respects what we do, and we respect what he does. And he... You just, you want to do, you don't want to give 100%. You want to give 500% for somebody like that. Absolutely. Because they have your back. And to me, I think I think Nelson's a genius. I just think he's an absolutely genius and I love him. Here, here. Because the less you talk, the Gosh. more you, you hear. Right. And that's what you want to do around someone like that. Yes. Because like Hope was saying earlier, when you walk in his office, you just stepped into his brain and you can see where everything's going to go. Which then helps us as property masters sure. know where we need to go, so that we we're not a sore thumb on the on the TV, right? right. We're not standing out. We're blending in with what he's designed. Yeah, it's it's like doing a a huge huge lookbook or war room right. or whatever. It, if you put everything out, there's no secrets and surprises. Right. And uh, yes, we're all hyper com- uh, you know computer savvy and. Uh, the more images you put on the same screen, then the smaller the images get, and you can't really actually tangibly connect things. Mm-hmm. And I have found as a resource for the entire show by putting everything up so that anytime a director can bring an actor through, um, right. you can start looking at the connections and the through line of a story. I mean, we're doing character arcs just like a story does a story arc. And you start seeing those connections and the through lines and the the color changes or whatever it, it's going to be. Right. And you demonstratively are creating an environment that your whole team is working in 
And so they become saturated with the look of the movie instead of your being on your laptop over here and that person over there, right. blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, a, a great picture of an amazing, you know, signature prop shows up. It goes on the wall. Fabrics come on the wall. You know, pictures of flowers go on the wall. The furniture, the, as things are revised, then you wipe things away as uh, the idea has changed. Sure. But you're still able to get actors and the whole team excited uh, because they're seeing it all in kind of in real time and right. going, Oh, Oh, we haven't talked about that element for a while. And it, it just helps everyone stay on track. Um, and we don't know and can't quantify the percentage. Our work will change at performance, but if we go to that extra level and if we goose a performance by 10%, right. even because of that thing that the actor is playing with on their, you know, in their hands yep. while they're sitting at their desk or, or because of the fact that they feel like they're really there. Um, you know, I've had actors come up to me and go, Oh my God, I keep forgetting I'm coming to set because I feel like I'm really there when we're, you know, at work. That's exciting. Yes. And, the actors feel it and they take that on. And it, I, I do think it really changes I, I agree. performances. I agree 100%. That's why I always say about uh, fake ice, you know, I'm going to harp on fake ice again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but when you, because my Sounds wife, like a personal problem, it, seriously, <laughs> my wife will always say, nobody notices that fake ice. I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> it's like, well, we all do. I get it. And I think, well, is it just because I do props that I notice that? But I got to imagine that if you're an actor, you know, and you're picking up your drink, there's something, I mean, they may not even, uh, it may even not register with them, but I think that just on a gut level, it makes a difference. You know, just the clinking of the glass, the ice in the glass, because again, fake ice sits at the bottom of it. It makes me insane. So, and again, you could put, Fake ice in the background. Nobody's watching. But with your hero people, you have to have real ice. Right, Nicole? Tell me. I'm with you. I am actually. (laughs) I do do notice it. And then that's the only thing I can see when I watch a show. And I'm like, I don't think I can. I have to change the channel. All I can see is fake ice. Part of of all of our work is to suspend disbelief. And back to Nicole's point of how important research is, each of us really should be the expert on set. If you're doing a period movie, you should know more about that period and about every element of architecture and art and the fabrics and everything. You should know everything so that when a director looks at you and goes, what about, or the actor goes, I don't think, and you're like, well, this is the reason why that we want to go this direction. Uh, You know, because whether you're doing fantasy or period, you know, even, you know, contemporary and, and contemporary always gets the short shrift, um, you know, but we're all world builders and we're building from the tiniest nail and the tiniest element up. But each of us, you know, have, it's really incumbent upon you to do all that research. And these, these amazing prop masters are research superlative experts. It's amazing. I have a one story that's not with you, Nelson, but when I was doing a show called the aviator, it was so important for me to know more as the property master and on every show, even on Benjamin Button, 100 years of de- 10 decades of mm-hmm. props and history. You have to know more. And I counted on my cart to have my, my binders with me. And when I was doing The Aviator, 
and, and this is for the young person out there. You have to know more than the director. You need to know more than your cast members because we're there to help the cast and the director. But we were doing a scene where Howard was doing getting ready to taxi down the XS, uh, XF11 down a runway. And in all the publicity shots, he's got um, his fedora on and a hand mic in, his, in the cockpit. So I'm climbing up this like 10-foot ladder that Herbalt gave to me, and I'm getting ready to put this thing on Leo, and I put the throat knife mic around his neck, and I put the skin cap over the top of his head. And all of a sudden, you see Marty Scorsese running up to the plane on my ladder and saying, what are you doing? Hope, what are you doing? And I said, I'm getting him ready for the shot. He said, he didn't wear the fedora, and the, he didn't wear that skin cap and the throat mic. And I said, um, this is going, he's getting ready to taxi down the runway. I need to have this on him. That's how he communicates with the tower. And he said, no, 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 no. Joe Reedy, first AD, call the Smithsonian right now and find out what he wore in this flight. Now, you got a production company sitting around for a half an hour waiting for Joe to come back for this yeah. information from the Smith, and you're the person who all eyes are on. Right. You have to know more. And Joe came back, and he said, Marty... He had it for the publicity shots, and when he did the flight, he had the skin cap on and the throat mic. You don't want to be right. You don't want to be right over Marty Scorsese, <laughs> and I probably have told <laughs> this story before, be but that is a perfect example of what the property masters, one of them, sure. his duty or her duty is. Absolutely. You're... you're you you want to solve all the problems before you get to set, as as I always say, there there are no surprises that are good surprises in movie and, and production right. uh, of any level. You want to have thought through all the potentialities, and and be prepared for them. Sure, but you also have to respond on the spot and be ready for the the challenges Curveball. of I mean we're laughing looking at the blank check up on your <laughs> wall of DVDs uh, here and uh, we built the slide uh, off of the fake portion of the house that the kid buys and it goes down to the swimming pool and and we tested it and the fact that the swimming pool was real you know you have water being extracted so you're not overflowing while you're running some water down for the people to slide and we tested and tested. We never tested with a kid weight. Uh. And you think, I've done everything. And then the kid gets, uh, you know, uh, into the slide and there's not enough water to propel them. And because of the angle and everything, right. the kid's not moving. Yike. And all eyes look at you and you're like, how do I solve this? Yes. And there was, you know, there's a, a neoprene knee pad thing that's attached to one of the, the cameras. And I grab it and run up to the top and said, you know sit on this and Brian Bunsall gets on it and goes and he flies out <laughs> because you have to have you're firing on all dendrites at that point you know, yeah, exactly it's like, how do I make this work and yep. you know because Hope's point you do have the clock ticking and all yeah. these people standing and you better be prepared that is where the rubber meets the road for so sure how did, or the how slide did, how did it work out for you with uh Nicole. With that, Nicole. Yes, that's... I, you're, you're mentioning her presentations. Uh, I do have to say they set a new bar for me in how you prepare and present to directors. Mm -hmm. Unlike features where you can kind of, you know, have moments like when we were talking about Big Miracle, we were doing presentations about different kinds sure. of, of how do you create the look of ice uh, outdoors and freezing temperatures and we're doing you know rigs with wax and wow. we're doing all sorts of uh, um, 
uh, different materials, whether it's shaved sea salt or whatever mm -hmm. we were doing, you have more time to actually explore those things. And then you jump into a, a, a very aggressive schedule on, you know, a, a really, really high profile show directors are coming in and have literally 30 minutes for a full presentation for their episode. And you would walk into Nicole's spaces and it wasn't just a table right. with things. The table is draped. The table has cards saying what things are, what scene they're in, in the progression. And she's running you through the options. And it was presented in such a way that you're, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, this is curated. Right. And um, I feel like, you know, it's, it's, um, I have a safety of someone that's ahead of me already. Right. Uh, and it's just visually done in that way. And the first time she did that, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm in love. Um, <laughs> and, and there, you could see it in the directors. The directors were, were, oh, oh, I can actually pay attention to this or this notebook. And, yes. And, and it just, it made their job so much easier and made my job easier. Um, and you know, have a phenomenal support team as right. well. And that's it sitting ends there. up making Nicole's job easier as yep. well because yep. she's nailing it. I yeah. hope so. I mean, the first yeah. show and tells we do, unlike with any new production designer that we work with on every show, you know, I would, I, I gave Nelson my prop book first and I said, tell me if I'm on the right page. And he went through it. Um, and then he came to the first, you know, show and tells yeah, and stuff we always like do that. them you know so that do I, a, an initial meeting oh, before the director nice. comes in right. so we've already seen it so there's no surprises for me sure. so he would come but, in i go tell me what i'm taking off this table and yeah. he let's get rid of this you know like keep this this is the direction we're going and that's what you need that's what he he was there to support me because it was my first show and tells with mimi leader and then the following directors after that and he would come and then you know, towards the end, when we got really crazy busy with our schedules, Nelson, you coming today? I'm not going to be able to make it. Uh, and he wouldn't be able to come to some of them. But then at that point, it was like... Because you're scouting. You're, you're, you're physically scouting. I'm like, I can't places. come to that exactly. scout. I yeah. have this. He's off at the scout. Right. He's finding locations. But at that point, it felt like... I was like, he trusts me. That's I'll be it. okay. And then I'll make sure that... If there's any knows, questions, yeah, you know. I'm going to go right to him. And he was always... Like, I, can I call you? Can I ask you these questions? Always available for all of sure. us. And that was really important. And also, I had the best team with me. Makes and they the made me a better prop master. Yep. Besides Nelson making me a better one, besides Mimi Leader making me a better one, my team of prop <laughs> girls made me such a, be like a much better prop master. And I can't, like, I'm so, I just feel so honored to be a part of that show and to grow on every show that I'm a part of from this point on as a property master and as a person, mm -hmm. it, I just became better. Yeah, yeah. but you have around. a cast that's high wattage, you know, at the top of their craft. Uh, often you only have one or two on a show. We have an entire cast yes. of people at that level. And so there's no suffering fools. That's correct. As well as you're, as you're moving forward, you have less and less time uh, to mm -hmm. actually get to right. the decisions and the minutia. So you have to develop that trust, but also you have to know that if someone is quick and short, you know, because they've got to run in and out and blah, 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 that you respect each other's time because the amount of stuff you're trying to accomplish is so humongous. It's more than you actually have time right. to do in that day. So being able to target and go, I, I, 
you're going to be fine with all of this stuff. Here's the one that I have the biggest question about. Dink, dink, dink. Great. Thanks. Love you. Bye. Right. And, and you just have to, it's like a, it's like a hyper salsa dance. You're going so fast Absolutely. That, that you know that person's going to help you spin. And I think it helped our personalities are very similar and energy levels are very similar in the way of like, you know, I do get criticized because of the way I speak because I speak fast, blunt. I, there's a lot going on. You have a lot sure. in your head. You got to keep on moving. And, you know, I understood Nelson from the moment we walked on yeah. set together because he spoke like I did very fast. He here's the tell me what I need to know. OK, I'm out. I love you. Bye. Yeah. And right. that's the way I think that's why it worked really well, too, because we did have the same energy level. We were at the set before everybody and after everybody we were on we were on the same same I think page. that's important when you develop teams however you're doing your creative team is to energy match yes um because that's going to help you survive uh if someone is you know a very different energy than you they whether you realize it or not it actually may impede your particular workflow. Right. And so for me, assembling full teams together, it doesn't mean everybody has to be, you know, running faster, but it's just this internal clock energy right. of, of excitement and diligence and wanting to do this high level of work. Um, that energy, you know, transmits to all sorts of stuff. Yes. And it's very important to coalesce that team. Um, you know, so. Especially in television. Yeah. Right. Because that's the thing the that has changed insane. now. I mean, it used to be like if you a TV show, the production value was a lot lower than features. Now it's at the same level, if not higher. But the schedule is still a TV schedule. And that's the thing that blows my mind is, you know, because you get into that to the rhythm of episodic television where you're getting one episode up and the next one's coming down the road and you're managing what's happening as you're filming and, and you it, wish it was that that's, <laughs> that's changed even. I mean, there, the, sure. I'm, I'm very yeah. grateful that my early experiences were less complex right. and each project has gotten more and more complex as it's gone on. So you can handle more and you can juggle five things instead of three things. Yes. And now you're juggling 10 things. And, uh, looking back at my career, this, this current season, we just wrapped, on the morning show season three was like doing Rubik's cube behind your back. Um, we had actors that had very <laughs> limited availability and we had uh, a major new actor uh, coming in, John mm -hmm. Hamm, who was already on another show. Right. We had very limited windows with him and we worked for from August until December with seven shows open, five different directors. And so your desk had, uh, one-line schedules from, you know, there were four different one-liners and none of them quite matched and they were constantly changing. We got into triple color scripts wow. on every show. It <clears throat> was, the actors were even like, what are we doing today? And right. so you're, you're having to not only suppress your internal panic because of the complexity and right. going, wait, is that still on the schedule for today? Because it was changing so fast. Right. But you're trying to remain calm in front of your directors and actors so that they right. feel that their internal turmoil can be quelled as right. well. And you're also doing more than one episode at a time now, too. Those days are over where you get knock one up, next one's over. Now you're doing you know double ups and triple ups and, you know, and also doing 
Well, and there all, was, all, 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 none of the episodes are put to bed. Yeah, and there's a there's a portion that we really, since the pandemic had uh, quietened, uh, and we weren't able to go last season to New York. Mm. We actually did uh, a, a full week in New York with scenes from all from several different right. episodes. But in order to for, to afford that, we were filming still here in Los Angeles at the same time. So you have actors and directors flying back and forth wow. and you, you're shooting scenes from scripts that haven't even been completed. So you're trying to figure out what is needed in that scene uh, without knowing what is proceeding or following. Right. It was too, just totally a, a, a mind bending experience to try to get through this. And, and Nicole, you just never felt like it was out of control. It was always, I have it handled. We have this, right. I need <laughs> questions about this and this. And I, you, I knew her internal clock was just going, ah! but the outside was like, okay, we're right. super professional. Here we are. We're prepared. And then we have those decisions made. Now here are the ones where we need answers. Right. And it made a big difference. What was it about the morning show that was uh, the biggest challenge for you, Nicole, that you haven't, hadn't necessarily experienced before? Well, I think, like Hope said, it's such a stylized show mm-hmm. <clears throat> that I, w- I was so, like, you saw me in the parking lot of ISS. I was stressed because it was a new level for me, and that was the hard part. But if you watch um, the second season, mm-hmm. and you said, I love the show anyways before sure. I worked on it. But you can see the the difference from season one to season two in my mind. This is my opinion. Yes. Um, is Nelson, you can see that this is a complete team, right? Because in season two, if you look at any shot, any scene, it looks like a painting. And that's that's him. That's him working with every department. Right. And you can see from the costumes to the coffee cup someone's holding to the paint on the wall to everything in one room and one set it's all collaboration and you see it through the colors and design and the style of what he's doing right you know visual story 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 like literally walk on set and everything is like you're walking through an art gallery it was like everything's a painting everything's a painting i'm like this is amazing this is what i wanted this is what you know and a lot of people would say before i started on the show Oh, it'll be an easy one for you. You just got off a Lone Star. It's just paperwork. I hate it when people right. said this. It's just paperwork. Uh, yeah. I was like, you got to be effing kidding me. This isn't just paperwork. Right. You Have called you... it wealth porn. Like, it is. It is. <laughs> I don't know how people actually can even think that. Because when I was watching it the first it's season. It's beautiful. I mean, it's, there's a lot of work in there. There's a Absolutely. lot of characters. And there's a, there is a lot of accuracy. Yeah. Especially if you're a mind bender like her that has to have the exact newsletter. You know, because they're taking piece of history, parts of our actual living that we're doing. And you have to make sure that all of your information you hand to Jennifer and to, you know, all of it is correct. And it's. It's not, nothing's easy. It's not easy. And the style, I think, was the challenge for me because I I have never done a stylized show like that before. So that, to me was a new challenge you did know did it change your budget did you get a better budget was that no. was one of your bigger <laughs> <laughs> no but here's here's something interesting about no. a broad a, a show that is about broadcast or is about it, you read the script and actually you could forget that there are screens everywhere and right. that you have to create the content for all those screens so the scripts would also have addendums of several pages of elements that you're going to film right that need to fit into your shooting schedule and you need to prop them and design them and, and, and create these environments that are actually happening 
on screens and you're you're popping into those and coming out and all so you're really doing more than the quantity of a normal episode that's sure. one hour and also back in the day when we were just broadcast you know you had 42 minutes of stuff for an hour-long drama and now you're able to do 60 minutes of stuff i mean once you get past 61 the screen actors guild says it's another episode which thank goodness but we're compressed in that same amount of time doing almost a quarter more material. And then you add to that the morning show where you're adding a level of complexity with all the, all the content that's happening on all the monitors everywhere. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It's like with the medical drama, same thing. So what was it like for you working with that high level of uh, talent? They, I, you never know what to expect walking in, you know, sure. working with these A-listers at all, you know, and obviously we all know their work for years and years and years. And they're teams of people that you, that I would interact with and talk to. And them as humans, like each one of them was just so kind and respectful and welcomed me in. And my, my wonderful onset prop master, Natalie Palasota, mm-hmm. on the first day of their rehearsals or anything like that, or she would bring me in. This is our new prop master and introduced me to each actor, you know? And I thought that was that was yes. really awesome to do because a lot of times the actors won't know who the property master is, That's... especially on TV because we are shooting maybe five episodes at once, so we're everywhere. We're in right. 20 different places at once. But I'm always as close to set as I can possibly be sure. in case I'm needed. But to me, once you open that set with your onset, it's their set. Where do you, do you mean to move the chairs? I'm going to move the chairs. Right. Where do you need me? You tell me. And I thought the actors just welcomed me, open arms, knew who I was, um, knew, and their teams were really awesome with me. And I would, everything, I would just email their people. They would respond right away. And it was, it was a treat. Like these are A-listers and they're the kindest people I've worked with in a long time. Like they were just amazing. But on top of that, you realize you really cannot procrastinate. Because they have very limited windows of time. And if you need a decision, you can't wait till a last minute decision because you have all those teams that you're working through and you have to have things to present to them much sooner than you think you have to present it because it's going to have to go through those channels and then finally get back to you. So you have, you know, programming that time into those decisions is, is also a part of your workflow. Absolutely. And that's a good point that you make about, um, uh, on television because in features it's different you know you're, as a property master you're on set you're interacting with the actors every day um, but on a, on television it's true I mean there's not a lot of interaction that we have with the actors and I think it's really important especially in the beginning to make those connections with them uh, obviously when you're fitting them for all of their personal props and all that but to make sure that throughout the season you make an appearance on set, you know, especially like if it's a complicated prop or whatever, that you are able to incorporate your set master into the conversation to explain what's happening and and keep that connection lively. And then, uh, as you say, have to turn it over to your set master. And and like you said, with your team, it makes all the difference in the world. It really does in that communication that they're communicating with you of if your actor needs something, I would always know. Like right. they, that communication and respect for each other, yes. that respect was so important. And we had that on my team of all of us respected it, each other. 
but we were also like 12 year old boys with each other like we do mess around and make fun of each other and all of that sure. so we did have a good time <laughs> but we 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 communicated all the time we right. you know and i always knew if an actor needed something or if they didn't like something or if they wanted to try something else i would know immediately right you know and that that your relationship with them is so important and their relationship also our production designer, our costume designer, our co- you know everybody who works the set, and everybody outside the set. Your team's relationship with them when they when they do come to set to open it, that's important too. Because to me, what we do is uh, it, we're the bodyguards of the set. We're security. So as soon as people are leaving, a production designer, a set decorator, people like that are walking away to do the rest of their job. The property people are there to protect. The integrity of the set. I say the last line of defense. We are. <laughs> <That's, you know. laughs> um, you know, working with the onset dresser, it, it just it it's so fast. Uh, no matter what you would like it to be, uh, uh, streaming, doing series is so incredibly fast that you always have to be on your feet. But you also have to understand when you need to be there and when you need to jet away because the balance right. of time and the volume we're trying to do uh, there are times you really feel like oh, should babysit this because it is you know it's going to be a challenge or sure. you have to just go here are my issues please take care of these today I need you to do this because I have a tech scout all of a sudden um, and you're because of the weirdness of our schedules and our actors availabilities there was no normal order to you know doing your director scouting and tech scouting and and doing any of that it just was so back and forth we would be tech scouting like weeks before all of a sudden uh, i'd have even a director available or something it was so out of order that you really have to trust those people and also target when you're there right when you're away were you uh back to doing live production in concept meetings or were you zooming uh, I think what's happened now, especially because as fast as we were going, um, the uh, production meetings, the cast read-throughs, um, because everyone was in different places in the United States, and you'd be doing a cast read-through, and you know John might be in Calgary where he was filming, and and Reese was in Nashville or whatever. I mean, so we stayed virtual for our production meetings, cast read-throughs, and a lot of our uh, director meetings for props and element and things that were conceptual. Um, so tone and, and all of that. And then we would do in person for the show and tells. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, we were out obviously, uh, in person scouting and all that sort of thing. Okay. So that, that had, had changed. Uh, and also the protocols that we decided for this show or anything that we did outside, you didn't have to be masked right and inside. You did, um, and, you know, it was all about still gauging that comfort level of, of how to work and also how to get the information as fast and clearly. Right. You know, I always tell folks that clearly, concisely, and completely communicate. Nice. You know, I don't need the superfluous. We'll go and get a drink after work. Sure. And we can talk about all that extra right. stuff. But right now it's really targeting, you know, be clear, be concise, and complete. That's that's something that's often forget it. Right. Forgotten is that complete and that makes your communication strong. Oh, that's great. I like that. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I think what's going to surprise people too about this particular season mm-hmm. is there's always, you know, ways to surprise, 
but you know, John Hamm is a Jeff Bezos kind of character that's come in this season. So you can take and and assume what that yes. causes for production uh, <laughs> with the levels of, um, uh, shall we say, um, surprises. Just uh, some of these surprises are out of this world. Uh, for this season. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm a huge fan of the show, too. Yeah. So. Me, too. I uh, love that show. We, um, you know, you're, you're trying to get scripts and figuring out what's happening. And there's, um, you know, you come into a third season of a show and you think, oh, here's all the amorts and everything's going to be great. But there's a time jump. And with that time jump, lots of things happened. And right off the bat, we took down several sets that we thought were amorts. And then you're racing because of this crazy schedule right. to do complex new environments, new quote unquote studios wow. uh, and sets in those fake studios that you've built. And just the volume to get us going was, you know, pretty, pretty wacky. So Nicole came in and it was, it was like throwing into the deep end. I mean, right. <laughs> it, it was super, super a lot right up front. It wasn't a, it wasn't a let's ramp up to this. It right. was just bam. And you had a lot of playback. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and cell phones and yeah, but, you know, it was great. Our playback team's amazing. Mm. And they were on it, like, from the moment I started. And to work with them, we worked extremely closely with them, obviously, because we had so many cell phones, iPads, laptops, and everything. And Apple was great. Um, we did, a you know, a Zoom phone call with them because, and I, you know, I've known Terry Pitts for a sure. long time, but this is the first time we actually met. And I was like, this is what she looks like. This is awesome. I'm finally meeting her on right. Zoom instead of being on the phone with her. Um, and they were fantastic and supportive. Um, but also I had a relationship with Terry already, so she already knew me. Mm -hmm. And then I thankfully inherited a, a bunch of Jane's people. Um, and they were fantastic. So they, Apple felt comfortable with us. Playback felt comfortable with us. And we developed a great relationship with them because we needed to. We needed to. And also because they were just, they're just amazing people. Right. Um, so I, I'm very thankful for this playback team. Um, they, they need to be on it because the morning show, that's, I mean, it's all, it's all so much playback. Yep. And they were just amazing all over it. Fantastic. The entire crew. And you know, it's always hard to come into a show where everyone knows each other except for, and then you're jumping in and you're like, hi, I'm the new kid. But that's how I introduced myself, and everyone just welcomed me, nice. each department, and and they were fantastic. And I'd be like, I'm the new kid. I don't have as much energy as Jane. I'm not running <laughs> up a mountain, but I'm gonna work my ass off, and that's what I could tell you, you know. So it right. it, it, it was a great crew. Playback's and be, amazing. And Every because department. of the volume of new things, because we took down Emirates and have new new environments, and I mean just the volume of new things. Uh, you know, Nicole was able to come in and make her mark in a very effective way. It's not like I'm babysitting something that's sure. been sitting here forever. She she was able to bring really exciting things. And we have, you know, without revealing anything, we have some big international players that come and visit in, in the show and non-actor types and things right. that uh, you have to rise to their level too and their uh expectation right and uh you know with a plum uh miss ruby was awesome it was fun so. i mean and the other part that was so fun coming in on a third season was all right nelson do you want to change anything let's look right. at these graphics what do we and that made it exciting too so sure. we're not just going 
hey, let's just use season two stuff. It's like, okay, what are we doing? What do you want to see? What are you visualizing this season? What do you want to change? And that, you know, that's always so much fun to be able to do that. And because he's so involved in graphics, which is great, uh, and the design of all, all of these things, um, to, to work with his graphic designer and him on these of like, how do you want to handle this? Great. Okay. Let's do this. All right. Fantastic. Let's make something new. And it was just so much fun to be able to, you know, have a, have some creativity in sure. season three and not rely on seasons two, you know, to prop just the, on those props, right. but like, let's make some changes. Let's, let's make some visual changes here for season three. This is awesome. So all of your graphics then for props, you ran through the, it always depended. Like, right. cause, um, I would always just respectfully, how do you want to handle this one? Sure. I mean, it's a, it, it is about news organizations yeah. and identity packages and marketing and all of those things that aren't in the script. Right. And I think that's, Something for listeners to be aware that the majority of the design, the majority of the property, they're not indicated in the script at all. Uh, at the passage of time. How do you tell the passage of time? What happens in a real network? And we have, you know, the competing network and we have other right. you know, uh, entities that are represented in the show. And how do you um, let the audience know that there's a bigger complexity of life? Yeah. I could have made it easier on myself and my teams by, by saying, Oh, it doesn't matter, whatever. Right. But this is a show that is re I mean, it is very curated right. and um, it needs to make sense so that you see, you know, it's, it, it's always challenging to get actors together to take photographs for things that are going to appear on camera. And you know, all of right. those complexities that um, you might just throw your hands up and go, it's too much work. Mm -hmm. But it, it's like, no, that we have to tr try to get the new standees and the new marketing. And, oh, right. I'm not going to have those actors uh, for the these first two episodes. But what's on the wall? Time jump. I have to come up with a graphic way of of right. saying it that I can't use images of actors. So how do I do that marketing campaign? And literally everything is thought through like that. What is this uh, this network doing in the background right. to move time forward. Uh, and how does that affect our storylines and our characters? So you have to get people excited about that level of complexity that sure. you're bringing into it, but viewers watch it and it's like, Oh my gosh, it feels real because there is that extra level of, of things that are going on. I mean, you're introduced new characters. We have Nicole Barari who comes in and she's an Olympian. Uh, or a former Olympian into the show. Uh, how do you then create her history before you've ever met her? Right. Even though that's not discussed per se in scenes, we're having to actually build that history of her in the set decoration and in the propping right. and her environment. So you get the vibe of who she is and her costumes and stuff. And it all has to come together very fast. And, you know, the costume team we had, you know, have done, all three seasons. Sure. And so they, they knew, you know, the, the standard bearers of the characters, but we were pushing, you know, even uh, with that to take things to, right. you know, a, a different level. And it's really exciting because the actors see that. And then they, they respond to the fact that you have that Wheaties box with yes. the image on the front of it. Exactly. And you have, you know, you, you run into things where you can't use copyrighted elements from the Olympics. So how can you make it look like right. Olympics without using things that you don't have licensure to, to use? Right. Um, and so uh, 
for a lot of this, we were creating that uh, in, uh, you know, we're designing that in our department and, and presenting elements. And then Nicole would figure out how to then extrapolate those and take it even to a, uh, another level. Right. Um, and that's, that's what's so great about working with a wonderful collaborator uh, as, as both of these, you know, uh, accomplished prop masters are because they're looking at what you're presenting and then they're building on that. And also right. adding a level of complexity into their, you know, whether it's paperwork and hand props and things yep. and stuff. So you really feel like you're in real places with real people. Right. And un, uh, really, unlike most storytelling, this having a huge corporate environment where you're having to make audiences believe that's a real corporation right. or has real gra- you know, gravitas. We talked a lot, Nicole and I, about where people were in Manhattan or where they were in other environments so that, you know, if they've gone over to Brooklyn, you know, what will help us know that they're in Brooklyn? How is that different than being in Manhattan? What are the people's bags and their coffee cups and the things? How do you tell an audience, Oh, where are you in the city? And what is your favorite thing and place to shop and all this? And so on repeat viewing, which you really have that opportunity in streaming. That's right. You, you are telling the story over and over again. There's more facts to right. see when you're looking around. Yeah, and I always didn't think of it. it. It is a very subtle thing that people don't necessarily cognitively understand. It just is, and it makes a difference. I, yeah. I really believe that. How and many graphic artists did you have on the show? Well, pr- <laughs> predominantly just one. Wow. And then depending on the uh, episodes, we would bring people on for uh, certain elements, you know, as they, they were going through. Right. And then, um, Lori Martell, who came on this season as set decorator, uh, she also was an integral team player. Uh, the, um, communication between set deck and design and sure. props and costumes was just really seamless. And part of that is what is expected. Again, people will live up to that expectation. And I want to bring team members in that, want to collaborate and want to uh, take things to another level. So um, did you have uh, meetings with the set decorator, just you and her, or did you, we uh, were you part of the art department meetings or how did that go down? Well, um, I think for me, every set decorator works differently. And as prop people, we're chameleons. Yeah. We have to change to yes. how everybody else works. And that's what I try to do on every job is, hey, how do you want to do this? Do you right. want to, because I like to email I like a paper trail so I remember everything and who's doing what and all of that. Um, but the, our system was we would jump on the phone together mm-hmm. and talk it through. And then we may send an email to one another reviewing everything or I may go into her office and she goes, let's shop now. And she'd be online shopping for certain things, you know. Um, so we had a different system on this show. Some set sure. decorators I've worked with, you know, um, they want they want nothing to do with me. Some decorators, you know, I'll e- they'll email back and forth. Um, but with Lori, it was great because we would end up, like, having a glass of wine on the phone after work. Okay, we're after work. Let's uh, figure out our list. What are you doing? What am I doing? And it was it, it was fun. It was yeah. – and we, we were getting it done so much faster because we were just talking it out. You want to do this? Okay, let's wait for Nelson, figure it out. Okay, let's talk to him tomorrow. Okay, you're right next to him. You'll get him first and pick his brain. Okay, go. And we would kind of – do it that way um so i feel like on every show you have to just figure out 
how that decorator wants to work with you, whether it be a phone call, an email, text messages, and or anything else. Um, that's how it kind of worked with us, though, was phone calls. We did phone calls or texts. Or we ran into trouble, you know, oh, shoot, I forgot about this. We would text each other, and we would have each other's back when right. we needed to. The important thing is to communicate. Yes. And, you know, again, avoiding any surprises. And however you need to communicate, you need to figure out the system that's going to work for you on that right. particular Correct. project. Well, and most of our job is personalities. Three quarters of what we for do real. is being able to just come in, like you said, be a chameleon. You know, there are there are different designers you know i've worked with nelson he's very hands-on i know who he is i know what he loves about what i do so i try to bring more of that to the table i also know that i've worked with other production designers who don't step foot in my office they're like right. okay don't worry about you i you're fine whatever let the director pick you know there's just a different element with the set decorator same thing you know i always try to communicate hey, we've got a lot of food scenes, restaurant things. You buy the first set. You design what that looks like. I'll pick up all the backup stuff that I need for food scenes and blah, blah, blah. And you need to collaborate. And mm -hmm. and and that's what we do daily. Right. And, you know, if you don't want to collaborate with anybody, don't be a prop master because we interact with <laughs> every single department on a film. And you have to be able to shape your work to a director's style as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, when we were doing Crazy Rich Asians, food was such a huge element that we actually auditioned the food and the dishes it was going to be presented in before it ever got to set right. day. This was in pre-production. Sure. You're doing you're doing food food show and tells and it's like, well, we love that element of food. What does that say for us culturally? What does that say for us thematically for the scene? But does it come in a different color or can it be presented differently so that you're, again, no surprises. Um, and, you know, John coming from a John Chu, the director of that, mm -hmm. uh, coming from a family with a very famous restaurant, food was very important to the storytelling. You might then jump to another project where the food may not be as important to the director to sure. uh, the storytelling because it's an ancillary element. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're going to let the ball roll down and figure <laughs> figure that out. But I think you, we have to figure have to out find personalities. We have right. to find. We have to. What's we important? Have to, to, we, yeah, we, we we really have to be. My dad always said you you just kind of have to step back in your first couple of meetings. Let them present to you. Get a feel for the room. Understand who you're working with. Right. And don't try to change them. Try to be a part of. Try to be a, try, because the wheel's already turning. Yes. So come on in and be a part of the of the of the of the swim day in the pool because the water's great. You know, but it, you have to be involved. And, uh, and part of that is in your own research early on. Mm -hmm. Watch other projects that that director mm -hmm. has done, or that designer has done, you know, or that actor has done. Start to to find those nuances that uh, are commonalities right. across. You know, it may not be the style as a commonality. Maybe it's the level of texture you see, or the limited palette, or the, the you know a, a level of detail, yes. and, and find those things because then that gets you kind of a sense of of you know, where they, where they're going to go. I mean, for morning show, you know, if Jennifer were not a, um, an actress, she'd be an interior decorator and right. we've, we've been interviewed for architectural digest and things about that element. And, and she's really involved in, you know, elements in the environments where she's going to perform. 
And that's unlike a lot of actors. And so you have to be cognizant of that. And so early on, I made a point of uh, getting to meet her at her house just to find her personal style. And you're looking at it going, oh, I got this now. I understand the, the visual language that she's living in every day. Now, how do I translate that into her character's environments. Um, and it, it helps get the yes, because we, we all are looking for the yes. Let's, you know, you, you know, you're buying this, let's move on to the next thing. And, uh, whatever it takes. That's why I love Nicole's presentation so much. Uh, It gets the yes faster. Exactly. So that we have time to work on other things. Right. But it's also like the, when we do the show and tells or any, of those presentations to see the look on people's faces of you just showed them something that they didn't think about. And that's the part of our job, you know, which actually may lead to an even different solution and a better one, you know, you know, so, and like, like hope says, we're the white on the page. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. We are the white on the page. Um, and that's what we have to do in our presentations is I know it says this, but then show a bunch of different options right. of other things. Or you walked into Nelson's office and you were inspired by certain colors or fabrics or this. Okay, let's, I, wanna, I want Nelson's face to fucking light up. Right. Let's show him some yes. options of this. You know, so you want to, that's our, our part of storytelling is being able to open people's minds and maybe think of something they weren't going to think about before. And that's like the, that's to see someone's face light up. That's what really right. helps drive us. And it, it, I mean, it really, you're, you go home and you go, that was a good day. Yes. I think my favorite day was when Nelson, it was like the last week I was last two weeks or I was loading a cube truck. And in August, Nelson goes, I want this thing that they have in New York. In August, he says this. And I'm like, okay. And it's this e-bike with a, it's how they do deliveries, with a cargo thing. And it's all over the streets of New York. Since COVID. yeah. And so he tells me in August, and of course, ISS, being who they are, helped me out. You know, got this thing. And I never told Nelson. I just knew he wanted it. And I'm like, I'm getting to this. And he's on to other things right now. Then whatever, with this last week, of shooting or and I was loading the truck and Nelson's coming from being COVID tested and he jumped on the lift gate and he goes you got him (laughs) (laughs) it was exactly right you know I didn't even and I was like like... oh my god that was my favorite moment I mean that was my favorite (laughs) moment is his face when he saw them on the truck was like you did it you got him I wanted these so bad and it was like on top of the on top of the car it was like it made it made my day that day it's just right. seeing that we live look. for those moments and I, I do did. have to say you have to create a safe environment for collaboration mm-hmm. and that is that falls on my shoulders right i have to create a space where people feel empowered and excited to bring forth right. ideas and solutions yep. so that you can have that dialogue it's not about the personalities and it's not about, Oh my gosh, I'm living in this fear of, do I get to talk or what, or when do I get to do my thing? You create that environment so that your team can present things and come to you and, and are empowered to do their best work. And that it's so exciting to see that. And you know, I, I love it. I just mentioned this once showed a picture of this and that, I know it's not at any of the prop houses, 
and you know she pulled it off made it happen it was yeah. like eight months later when we finally <laughs> were doing that scene too and i was like oh, it's just like giving him the best present ever i'm not gonna tell him i just need him to see it that's brilliant you know and that's what you but that's the look you want on everybody's face sure when you're presenting to them or because you just want to be the best you right. just want to keep it's, on getting better it's it's like you hope me. it's like it's like hope talking an inupiate leader out of his whale harpoon up in barrow <laughs> to get it down to anchorage 700 miles away that had never left his house or his hands oh my. and she's figuring out a way to transport it and right. deal with the humidity changes and all this stuff and convincing this leader that he can relinquish this wow. to this crazy California right. girl, and, <laughs> and and his forty his sixty five pound whaling gun, and then they said, I said, how do I get it back to Anchorage? Oh, on the plane. I said, on the plane. I'm thinking a harpoon gun and a big fourteen foot whaling, <laughs> you know. But he's like, you got to get it. We got to get it. Coming up with and, solutions. And there was no way to get a hold of these people. They just were not answering their phones. So we got on a plane, me and the costume girl. And we went up there and we came home with it. 10.30 at night at the airport in Anchorage. I'm walking around with these big things. and She calls me and she goes, got it. <laughs> you know, like there was ever. And it was so much fun for me. Yes. To be on that scavenger hunt. To, to make that happen. And to then. And that's what we were talked about earlier too. He, he had my trust. I had his trust. At that moment, it was almost like the deal sinker for us. It was that was right. one of the things where I listened, I paid attention, and I knew what I had to do to get it. You know, trying to find the the, the rubber boats too. Those were kind of interesting. You know, but we we did what we had to do up there. That was that was something. But you know, he he and I have had some interesting things. That were, you know that that we've done over our careers, and you know, it's the friendships. Mm-hmm. It's the trust, the Energizer Bunny over here. Right. You know, I kept thinking, oh my God, I don't have enough batteries to keep up with him. You know, but you find a way because of love. It's because the, you yes. love what you do, you love who you are, and you love who you're working with. And, and, and you that, can't beat that camaraderie. No, right? I wouldn't you know? change anything. I mean, I just. And Tomorrow I'm, on Oprah, production designers and prop masters who care too much. <laughs> that's right. right. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, well, I've had production managers say to me, oh, my God, Hope Parrish will drive you crazy, but she's the most passionate person on the show. Right. Well, you know what? You better gosh damn well be. That's what you I know, say. If you want to succeed, if you want to be the best in your career and be at the top of your game, you've got to be passionate. Right. You can't have one foot in the door and one foot out. Right. You, know? you have to care more about the props than anybody, and even I was, the director. And- I was never going to, you know, he called me about, season two because he was taking it on and he's like what do i do hope you're retired and i said well why wouldn't you call jane you worked with her on the proposal she did season one he goes oh my gosh i didn't even think <laughs> so boom he goes and gets jane well then she gets a, a, i can't wait to hear about her show when she comes right. back but um she's not coming back <laughs> probably not probably not after seeing but, all of her instagram i, mean, I, I want to be jane's, jane's dog that's <laughs> what i know one of the yeah. things about jane gulick is i said anybody who can do five or six years over in hawaii on hawaii 5 you got my vote as somebody right. who can make anything happen you yeah. know because waiting on a boat yeah i mean amazing woman but then i knew his energy and and i knew her energy and i just knew you know i see these two 
you know, I'll be over having a cocktail watching them bust their ass on a show, you know, <laughs> in some tropical, beautiful place. And I'll be there on vacation visiting and, you know, being the retired prop master and watching them work. And nice. I think I'm probably know. one of the only production designers who's worked both with Dave Gulick and Jane Gulick. Wow, yeah. That's amazing. Which is super fun to have, have both of that aspect of it. Uh, and, and, you know, both excellent in 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 their areas sure and uh i feel like i've had an embarrassment of riches in my career to work with both of them and then to work so many times with hope and now so many times yeah. with, with nicole and you worked with jp jones i mean you've oh, yeah. worked with some amazing uh, prop masters as well yeah. uh, super you know super exciting to see you know <sighs> people get it that jp was on flight mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh the denzel washington movie with zemeckis directing and and uh, and mean, you worked I, with the movie that Denzel directed too. Yeah, that, Antoine Fisher. Antoine Fisher. I mean, and so there. I mean, there the the nuances uh, and the wonderful uh, collaborations. Uh, sure. I've, I've I've been very very blessed, and uh, um, I'm only better because of the amazing prop masters I've gotten to work with. Can you oh. tell me one thing though? Before I I, I just. I just crazy rich Asians to me is just crazy. And <laughs> when I, title. When you don't I, say, I mean, huh. seriously, interesting how that works. Well, and because of you, because of your yeah. look and the fact that there are so many in camera things that people might think are visual effects, the wedding, Hello. Yeah, you have a physical. river flowing yeah. through a wedding. I mean, you engineered all of these things over there, and you didn't have an American prop master. You had a crew over there. What was you know, that what like? What was really interesting, trying to assemble um, a team that has the ability, one, is available and interested in being in Southeast Asia for a, a big period of time. We had 16 different countries represented in wow. the design department and 28 different countries represented in the crew of the film. So uh, not only are you having this huge uh, melange of, of international folks and talent, you're trying to get people's experiences to match the story you're telling and their idea of what needs to be in an environment. Even when you use words, right. their level of English... Uh, may lead them to think you mean something else uh, or based on their experiences of production in different parts of the world. So um, putting together a team was really challenging. Sure. I wanted to have as many locals as I could. Uh, and uh, you're realizing that there's historical challenges working in Southeast Asia where uh, it has been a crown country in the past. And uh, as such, they have experienced um, uh, being second class to uh, the uh, folks from UK or New Zealand right. or Western uh, or civilization, Western civilization, yeah. and this whole idea of how do you empower them to do their best work as well. And um, so I ended up with a uh, uh, some great choices for locals as well as you know from the surrounding areas. Uh, from prop standpoint, um, did you do the British system or the American system under that with the property master? Oh, we were. It was pretty much they were open to whatever. The, what is different? Uh, so we we did as a American uh, production, um, but uh, they have what they call unit, which is mm -hmm. 
uh, how they run. That that is Love more the British. Unit. So uh, they're dealing with you know craft service and locations and things. It's it's that's a different organization from the production standpoint. From our standpoint, it was very much a, a kind of American system. Um, but for props, there were so many things that had to just mesh so beautifully with the set decoration and everything. I was really, really concerned that, uh, that would work well. Um, and, uh, a wonderful Australian, uh, uh, Justine Dunn, who had done, um, a lot of years of prop mastering and had just finished, uh, what is San Andreas with the rock and all that. And, and was really wanting to be a set decorator. And I really like, encouraged and conjoled i said you i need i need you because of your set decorating love but right. of of your major propping that i need that combination and i started with a um, uh, set decorator from the uk who after two weeks had gotten a bad uh report of a health situation oh. and needed to go back to the uk sure. and so i scrambled um and didn't uh, uh, have a set decorator until five weeks out from filming. Wow. So um, it was super crazy there. I convinced uh, Andrew Baseman, uh, who had done some earlier things, to come over from New York, and he had to finish what he was doing and blah, blah, blah. So um, that handoff with um, an assistant set decorator who had done Marco Polo from Australia and all that, and with Justine was able to, you know, help us at least amass sure. warehouses of elements so right. that we could start putting things together. Um, and then with my local uh, art directors uh, who I brought in, who um, I'm just looking to make a team that works, that is that has some level of acuity and, and excitement and, and skill. But I wasn't thinking about the cultural relevance of the fact that I, one of them was a, um, a, a Chinese uh, a female. Mm -hmm. One of them was a, a Chinese Malay uh, gentleman. And the fact that they were put into those positions, and then I had another Australian art director and a supervising art director from uh, Australia. Um, everyone went, oh, they consider us as peers. I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, you know, that's super, you're, I need you and you have great skill. And now we're like dear friends and all that sort of thing. And then they were able to then bring in a, um, a florist because so many flowers and right. so much going on. You know, green, we had greens people having to work with florals and all this, there's so much of that. Um, so I had, Malay and New Zealand and Australian teams there. And then a local uh, florist who, when we finished, it was like, oh my gosh, you're probably the best, you know, floral designer I've ever had on any movie. I mean, the temperatures and the vast uh, humidities and everything, flowers would poop out right. super fast. And you're having to match like every night rebuilding. Wow you know, things for all of these events and then figuring out how to do artificials in the deep BGs for the big events for the live in the front. And she looked at me, she goes, Oh, I've actually never done a movie or TV before. Wow. <laughs> and, but the local team knew that she could do that. Right. And then, um, uh, uh, I had a phenomenal local food stylist, um, who was able to understand the 
cultural relevance uh, relevance of particular dishes, mm-hmm. but was also able to then bring to Justine and myself. Uh, she goes, "Oh well, you know, this quelapis can come in this multicolored look, or it can come in this, and these all, you know, show the super level of you know eighteen layers of cake and things, and how to do that." And you're trusting your teams, as well as every you know every Monday morning we would have a big a big meeting of every department uh, in the design aspect of things. Uh, and I would, you know, re- repeatedly remind everyone, I'm not from this region. Right. And please, you know, if you see something that is out of whack, it doesn't make sense, is not culturally relevant, doesn't work for the story, whatever, please bring it forward. This We are a team. And nice. how do we, you know, how do we get these to the, uh, you know, the, the next level? The graphic artists are looking through, uh, elements to go on the huge fans for the reception. And if you look, you know, there's uh, stories from the uh, magpie lovebirds that are very, wow. very significant mm-hmm. to the Chinese culture or, you know, and they, those are represented. And how do you bring in, so everything has yeah. uh, story building elements. Uh, it was very exciting to watch that team then work together because everyone knew the potential for this movie and you know, and what we and we didn't have a big schedule. That movie shot, um, even with its little additional work, we only had like forty three days of filming. Wow! wow. Um, and it was a, a lot. Uh, and you're dealing with just conditions that are super, super hot and sure. super crazy, and and um, just and different levels of safety. I mean, you know, we haven't even talked touched about. You know, that aspect of things. But, you right. know, the Malaysian culture, you know, they haven't had the safety regulations that we have in, in the West for a, a lot of things. And mm-hmm. guys would be, you know, in shorts and flip flops uh, and no shirt and some sunnies and they're smoking and welding. And you're like, right. uh, no, you, uh, you can't do that, you know. And, and you know, coming in with, uh, you know, that that level of safety, you're, it's like I I. I have to make sure that all my team survives this shoot. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's all part of it as well as, you know, the, uh, just accomplishing What's the, the looks. I have to ask, I never asked you this before, but was it scripted that the wedding, the water came in? Nope. How'd that come about? None of, that's not in the book. If you read the book, it's Cirque du Soleil performers and a piano suspended from the ceiling. And, and it was just so out of the box, crazy. Uh, and I always, uh, mentioned when I'm speaking that you find the movie when you're scouting mm. because the ideas that you have may totally turn on their head. And we had to figure out what countries we were filming in. So, you know, we, we knew where we could get big tax credits and needed to be in Southeast Asia somewhere. And so we scouted in Bangkok, we scout yeah, and, and surrounding areas um, like a, a circle that was like an hour and a half all the way outside of, of Bangkok, we went, you know, several places in Malaysia, and of course Singapore. And there was no way we could afford to do the whole movie in Singapore. Right. Um, so uh, we landed on where do we find the most things? But in those scouting, we found a hotel that had a beautiful water element and some travelers' palms. And we were dreaming, do we do a wedding here in this atrium thing? And it's like, no, not really. But let's keep those ideas. And then John and I. You know, we're in subsequent talking. It was like, well, it would be great if we were in a big meadow or on a hillside or whatever. And I was like, uh, okay, 
what do we glean from that? Right. And so you started building elements and we knew we wanted to have, you know, water involved and grasses involved. And then how do you do the grasses? Well, grasses are going to poop out, you know, if they're going to be tall enough and you don't really want to be in a real meadow because high heels, you know, go right into the dirt. And so, you know, we built beautiful velvet green, um, um, green uh, kidney shaped benches and then figuring out the grasses and the whole floor is um, uh, meter by meter pegboards that you know you're figuring out the 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 spacing for the drilling and where the grasses are and we looked over you know around the world to find the grasses and how does this look and and did all the tests for everything because we only had uh, a four and a half day window for that particular location Wow. to clear it out of its stuff, to redress, bring in, you know, uh, three semis full of, of greens and, you know, the moon gate and all the elements were, you know, prefabbed. And then, you know, you're loading in 26 hours and then you go right into a rehearsal and then you're going right into, you know, filming. And then we had to empty it out overnight because the next morning, that half day that we still had left, was to shoot the arrival scene out the front and everything had to come out the doors that right. people were arriving through because then the location was built, uh, was booked. So you're really having to do you know, logistics like an army invasion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> with it's every insane. bit of it. And then of course the costume designer freaks out when you go, okay, and she's going to be stepping in that wedding dress into water, right? You know, which we never got to test the water because we didn't have enough time sure. to test it and load it in. So, you know, you're, you're, Pulling, you're you're basically hired for your instincts, right? And um, your ideas and your instincts coming together, and that's what yes. you know. Great, great prop masters are doing as well. Great set de- decorators, great designers. You're 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 bringing specific instincts and pulling from a, a lifetime of right. experiences, and then your research and trying to tell what will tell the story in a way that's. Unlike any way you've told this story, right. we're creating a sense of place, a sense of time. Well, I don't have to ask you this question because sitting here talking to you for this long, I know the answer. But <laughs> it, is a, it is a question that comes up a lot, which is, do you consider the property master and the property department as part of the art department? Oh, heck yeah. Right? That's why I don't call them. I, I, I say we create a design team. Design team for me is... Decoration, props, costumes, right, and sometimes hair, and makeup. If that's sure. if it, it, depending on how that is going, and that is a team. Right. We're we're sharing things from graphics to colors to uh, all these components, and you know you might want the plaid dress in front of the plaid wallpaper with the plaid notepad, sure. or or how are you telling that story? Right, and if you're not creating a strong interactive communicative communicative team uh you're you're actually uh doing yourself a disservice so um i try to functionally put people in uh related workspaces so that you're not having to go far away to to meet with people the more hall passing interaction you have the stronger it's going to be sometimes it's just not possible um but if you can interact, the more you can interact, the more you're going to share ideas, the more you're going to have the aha moments, right. the better the project's going to be. Uh, it's definitely not a we them. Right. You know, it, it is, it is, these are, these are my peeps. I, I, 
selected them and I, they're, you know, we're there to do a job, but, but the side benefit is you get lifelong friends right? and they make me better. And I hopefully can help goose up their, uh, their, their careers as well. And, and their thought processes. Radio flash, radio flash. (laughs) If it wasn't for Nelson Coates and the trust and the repeated hires, I would not be in the Motion Picture Academy today. Nelson sponsored me into the design branch of the Academy because of what he felt I was able to offer up and be a part of in the growing, you know, business that we have with the Academy. And I'm one of only a handful of prop masters in the Motion Picture Academy. There's, so, there's, yeah, we have, and that's a testament to her and her career. One hundred percent. Well, that would that brings up my last point that I want to make before I release you to the world. <laughs> <laughs> release the hounds. <laughs> Which is the whole idea? Of the, you know, one of the impetus for uh, the Property Master Guild forming was us getting more recognition for what we do. Um, so we consider ourselves artists and part of the art department. Um, but then when it comes to awards, we're like left in the dirt, basically. So I just was love to get your perspective as a production designer who, who cares a lot about props and as the director or the president of the Art Directors Guild, how you feel about that and, and what we can do as a craft to try to get in, to become involved and recognized as well. I think part of that is the integration of teams you know it's Mm -hmm. the more people realize that this is a team effort then it's it's not a oh only these folks are recognized because it is you know it is a team right um and i'm i'm very much a flag waver for uh elevating uh the recognition that uh every uh aspect of the industry, you know, we're all striving to tell better stories with, you know, with better specificity and complexity. And um, I, on, on my team, my team is listed. Right. The, uh, when I do FYC uh, for your consideration things, uh, even if that particular award is only for some team members as it sure. is currently, right. I still list in all my materials everyone because i i can't imagine that uh that project and that that concept and that product the content without the contribution of of that full team right Uh, it's just not even right so i'm not sure if if you if you agree with this nelson but i i was at the museum recently and i was into the art department video and I saw locations and Janine and, and uh, Jay, the decorator and the de- director talking. And I see, and, and I see down the line in the next five years, I'll put as a number that you're going to see a prop master next to Kakai talking about the entire team. It's just that it's taken a little time to get there. And I, and I think that, you know, we have a meeting this month. So yeah. in that meeting, maybe there's a way I raise my hand, you know, yeah. and well, the, the irony is the very first iteration uh, and exhibitions that were at the uh, Museum. Academy Museum had a backdrop and a drawing. And that was it for the uh, entire aspect of, of design. And it's like, wow. well, that 
that had it's now acknowledged that it was you know a sure. an oversight and that things are changing you know and exhibits will change and everything right. but as a foundational component of storytelling if if it's not the visuals it's radio mm-hmm. uh, it's a podcast right. uh, no uh, <laughs> but uh the we are visual storytellers yes. we're doing narrative design and that whole team and that process is super important um, yes, film capture or video capture and lighting and all those those elements are important too. But if there's nothing to be in front of the camera, uh, and that's what our design teams are doing, and I, I, it's it's a journey. Yes, I sure. think so. It's a it's a journey. We're not a destination, yeah. and it's right. also a marathon, not a sprint. So, right. I, as long as everyone knows, it's like how do we make things better and stronger? And I love the fact that there is now a guild even though it's not a union it's a, sure. a guild a professional organization of uh, folks that are like-minded to educate to take the craft to a new level right. to that, that, maintain and increase standards that's the key of the property masters guild and we can't you know we we have a slow growth to start with but you have to we wanted it to last. There's been so many times that people have tried to get this kind of organization going. And I'm not saying anything about our unions. I support our unions. I've been a member for 45 years. But at the end of the day, it's really about helping the younger people coming up. Because when I came up, I had MGM. I had the old timers sitting on the dock telling me how to do it. You know, I had my dad. My uncle was a property master. I came from a generational family. But at the end of the day, you know, for me to give back, and and, and that's a thing that I'd love to see recognized in the uh, academy, is we talk about art direction, which encompasses a lot of the illustrations, the drawing, the overall look, the furniture. It's time to just bring that conversation in about how important this pen is to this scene. And and I think that that conversation is going to grow. And I'd like to be able to teach at a college level or at at the you know with with the different programs that the academy have when they do their outreach programs that this is also a viable job because you don't know it because you might come in wanting to be a set decorator so you're a set dresser for a little while and not even know that you could be a prop master so if you love history if you love you know research if you love interacting with everybody if you like stress levels that are off the chart <laughs> but you come back to center when you with the joy of finding what it is that you need to come up with I think this is a career for somebody. Yeah, and know? I think things like this podcast are a, a great educational tool, but I also do think seeing people in person, flesh and blood, being able to have some right. panels mm-hmm. uh, yes. so that people hear the stories and people see the collegiality and the contributions. Um, also, just it helps educate the audiences and it helps educate the industry right. into the contributions. Yeah, I think that's the key. Um, and, and we are doing yeah. that. I just had a conversation Awareness. yesterday and we are going to start doing some zoom calls or zoom, um, events where people could come in and we talk about the nuts and bolts of doing, of props and, and we could have Q and A's and all of that. So, I mean, education is a huge part of what we're going to be doing. It's just takes funding. Exactly. So, uh, for 30 years I've said, <laughs> wouldn't it be great to have a panel where you have the construction coordinator, the set decorator, and the property master all in a panel together talking about a show they all did together and how well it worked because of their relationships together. Bring a special effects man in if it's a heavy, you know, uh, 
blow up show. Mm-hmm. But, but those are the type of things because I think I heard those stories sitting on the dock at MGM. Sure. They're just not, they're not able to have them in the same room. So I, one of my goals I, I'd like to see in my lifetime is, is having those panels with, right. with the local 44 members. We're all in local 44, which is ironically enough, you know, with the exception of the art director and the production designer. Right. You know, so. Sweet. I love you, Nelson. Uh, <laughs> I, I love you too. And I just I met you. <laughs> <laughs> you all are too nice. I, I think, you know, just ultimately at the end of the day, the passion for storytelling. Yes. In whatever tools, whatever positions we're in, however we do that, having that passion to represent people properly and well, yes. to uh, represent situations and problem solving on screen and, and off screen, just the fullness of being a storyteller. Um, I'm, I feel super blessed to have this as a career right. and to have the opportunities to collaborate with such amazing talents that have, have changed me uh, and made me a better person. So, Well, we really appreciate that attitude because it's not always out there. So you are one of a kind when it comes to that for us, for real. So, so, and I really thank you. We all thank you for coming out. Oh, thank you. This I'm, is I'm such glad a you're the first one. So. Yeah. <laughs> this would be great. So, um, anybody else have anything else they want to say? Nicole, thanks for coming out. Thanks for having me. This Absolutely. Was awesome. And Hope, as always, and Mikey on the board, always making it happen for us. Thank you, Mikey. Yeah. Before we go, I just want to mention a couple of events that we have planned coming up in June that we hope all you listeners will come and hang out with us at and and just have a good time. The Property Masters Guild, in partnership with Independent Studio Service, is hosting Props to Queens, which is two fundraising events in June to raise funds for the ACLU's Drag Defense Fund. Um, So on June 10th, as a kickoff to Pride Weekend, you can join us at Angelino Wine Company. Um, There'll be food, there'll be wine, there'll be a drag photo booth, there'll be a raffle, and there'll be a few other things that we'll have put together. And then on June 16th, you can come out and pregame with us um, before the Dodgers LGBTQ Pride Night. Um, You can find us at The Grant. So there, there'll be hot dogs. There'll be cocktails. There's also a drag photo booth there. And then we'll have a raffle for Dodgers Baseline Club tickets. So for more info on that, please visit propertymastersguild.org. Thank you. And thank you, everybody out there, for tuning in to another episode of Prop Talk, the official podcast of the Property Masters Guild, brought to you by real working and retired prop masters. If this is your first time listening... Um, and you like the show, please make sure to subscribe. Even if you didn't like the show, hit the subscribe button anyway. <laughs> and yeah, comment, do it wherever you're hearing this. It really helps out the algorithm. Um, if you like more information on the Property Masters Guild, we have a pretty awesome website you can go to. Go to propertymastersguild.org. You can also um, submit questions on there for us here at Prop Talk. Um, you can make sure you go over and check out all of us on the socials at Instagram. We're at underscore the PMG. If you check out all the other socials, just search for the property masters guild and you will find all of our stuff. Um, until our next episode.